to The Tenderness Revolution, a podcast about the stories of kindness, compassion and empathy that play out in our lives, because these deeply moving experiences describe what it means to be human and invite us into a new way of thinking about the world and each other. I'm your host, writer and journalist Yvonne Gavin. And every episode, I'll be asking a new interviewee about a pivotal moment of tenderness that helped shape the course of their life. I'm here today with CBS TV correspondent and award-winning journalist, Deborah Alfaron. She is a business owner, a speaker, and a coach for experienced and budding TV journalists. Deborah dropped out of high school, faced many challenges while living in New York City, but that never stopped her from fulfilling her dream of becoming a reporter. Now you can frequently see her face on the primetime show CBS Evening News in the US. Deborah puts it best on her website. I had zero connections and even less confidence. If I can GTFO out of my head to create my dream life, you can create anything. She works in Washington, D.C., where she lives with her husband, Josh, and their two rescue dogs, Murray and Baxter. So, Deborah, it's so good to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for coming on The Tenderness Revolution. I'm really excited. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you. All the way from the U.S., which is very exciting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here I'm here in the suburbs um, outside of Washington, D.C., in northern Virginia, and it's a beautiful day. Well, it's a beautiful day here in Botswana and it's sometimes it just amazes me, you know, the wonders of technology that we can do this, you know, all the way across all these these two different continents all the way across. It's really exciting. So you have I mean, you have such an amazing story. I'm really excited to to sort of hear all about it and share your journey with our listeners. But first, I really wanted to start by asking you to share your moment of tenderness with us. Because the idea behind the Tenderness Revolution podcast is that essentially our lives are made up of all these little stories. And when we stitch them together and we shine a light on scenes where we felt a profound sense of connection to something bigger than ourselves, moments when we felt seen or understood or that we had a deeper connection to the world, it's as though we're awakened to a greater sense of meaning and purpose. And I would love for you to share your moment with us. Thank you so much for asking. I do believe that our lives are made up of a patchwork of these moments. That's why I'm so excited about your podcast. Literally, they take us from here to there. Um, And sometimes you're at a fork in the road. And I remember many forks in the road, as, as we all do in our lives. One in particular, I probably wouldn't be here. I don't even know that I would know uh, many of the people I know. I wouldn't be doing the job I have if it wasn't for this one moment. And so when I, my story is such that, uh, you know, I worked on Wall Street after getting out of college and it wasn't like I was a numbers person because I certainly am not. Uh, But I just didn't know how to create my career. Like many people don't know how to walk confidently in the path. Um, I was one of those people. And so I got this job on Wall Street. And then I was like, okay, well, this is not really fulfilling me. Uh, I'm more of a creative person, a word person. I like to tell stories, but I just got this job and this career just kind of 
happened. And so I wanted to work in TV news and I didn't know how. I knew that the news came on in my apartment. You know, I would put on the TV and there's the evening news. And so I became really interested in watching news programs. And that was basically enough for me. I didn't know how to walk in the path, but I was watching 48 hours, which is, you know, been on forever. Um, really great program on CBS. And here I am watching, you know, this correspondent bring us through this crime. And, you know, at the end of the hour, everything's all worked out, which we know doesn't always happen uh, in real life. And so I see the rolling credits and I'm thinking, oh, this is interesting. Executive producer, that's probably somebody that is in charge of this program. You know what? I'm going to call this person up. And you do things when you're naive and don't know any better. Like right now, I would be too nervous to like, well, of course that person's going to be like, well, who are you? But for whatever reason, I call up the head of 48 Hours, who is Gosh. just an amazing human being, Susan Zerinsky, wow. um, otherwise known as Z, otherwise known as now the former head of CBS News, the first woman to head up CBS News. But at that time, she was a name on a TV screen. And that was that. This woman probably was like, what are, who are you? Like, I'm sure I was not eloquent. I'm sure I didn't know what the heck I was saying, but I was basically saying, wow, I just watched your show and it's really cool. And I see what this correspondent is doing. And I'd love to be just like that person. How do you do that? And lo and behold, she invited me in, invited me into the, to CBS News's headquarters and showed me around and it listened to me. Even though I didn't know what the hell I was doing, I had no idea about TV news. I didn't know a reporter, from a correspondent, from a VOSAT, from a package, from a, a B-roll, from an A-roll, from a, you know, my A from my B. I didn't know anything. <laughs> and she let me in. And just that kindness to, to hear me, a person who had dreams. Let me tell you, I had dreams for a long time, but nobody ever invited me into CBS News. Uh, people didn't really, you know, pay you mind. They didn't pay you any mind or, you know, what weren't that kind to offer generously their time and their office, like to show me that, you know, what her life was like. She showed me around. I don't even remember what happened to be honest with you. It was so long ago. I just remember like, whoa. And so that began a friendship. And every, and it's funny because, um, and now I'm writing a book. So I'm going back, back. And of course I've got every email I ever had. So I'm going and looking through these emails. I see over the years, the correspondence that we had and throughout my life, like I ended up working in TV news and then I ended up working in bigger markets. And then there was a time that uh, there was an article written about me in a New York newspaper and I sent it to her and she's like, Oh, I saw it already. And I'm so proud of you. Aww. This woman has been there throughout my life. Like I'm sure there are other people who she's helped more and who are closer to her, but She's been a constant in my life and just showed me what a true leader is like. Mm. And fast forward, it, I wouldn't have my opportunity now at CBS News if she didn't believe in me and literally just pass my name over to the talent people. I'm sure that had something to do with it. When the head of CBS News passes you over to someone says, hey, look at this person, it says a lot. And wow. I wouldn't be where I am without her. That was her moment of tenderness her moment of tenderness that affected my whole life. Yeah, that's really amazing. And and it is, it's like such a kind of benevolent, kind sort of approach. You know, she literally just, she obviously saw something in you right from the beginning. I mean, obviously the fact that you're calling her <laughs> cold means a lot, doesn't it? Because I'm sure if someone did that to you, you would really think, hang on a minute, they've got guts. Like, this is like, I'm going to sit up and I'm going to, I'm going to pay attention because you know, just 
and, and obviously you were you really you know you had some sort of passion something was really driving you so think you have to ask for what you want in life and we don't do that enough because we get in our head and funny enough I've paid this forward she has provided to me this example of leadership one woman did that uh, many people have done that I mean I was a weekend anchor here at the local CBS I'd invite anybody in off the streets to come see the show you wanted to come in I'm like come on in I would have I interviewed someone they're like oh you know my daughter might be interested come on in and so <laughs> Someone did, a young woman by the name of Sierra worked in a market nearby. I invited her in. Then she ended up going to Richmond. Then she got an opportunity to be in DC. And when she did, I said, why don't you stay with us? We became such good friends that she stayed with my husband and I in this, this house. While she got her feet wet and kind of like figured out like I'm freelancing here. Like, I don't want to really rent an apartment until I know this is going to be a thing. So she ended up staying with us. And I feel like that is really leadership that I got from Susan, mm. from Z. That's really beautiful. And I think what's really special about it is that what you're ultimately saying is when someone does something like that for you and they show that quality of tenderness and they really see you and they give you that helping hand, it inspires you to sort of pay it forward. And then you bring that energy into the world, you know, it really does carry through. So that's such a wonderful you know, experience, and I really appreciate you sharing it with us. Thank you. Um, that you asked me, and I, I hope that people hear this and know that the tenderness that someone affords you yeah. is is really an example that you can then afford that to other people. It literally changes the world. We're changing the world one kind opening at a time. Absolutely. And I'd really like to know, you know, how and if that was interwoven into your experience as you were entering into sort of TV journalism, because it, I would imagine it's quite a competitive and sort of tricky world. So, you know, I mean, I, I've, I know that your background, you were a high school dropout, um, but the journey that you went on from, you know, that, that very beginning where you were invited into the studios and then, well, now you're appearing on American television screens every day in the US. I, I wouldn't imagine it was an easy journey. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was not. It was not. And uh, how long is this podcast? No, I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of fast track it for you. But I was a high school dropout. And, you know, I'm writing a book now. So, you know, when you write a book about your life and lessons and stuff like that, it's like, ooh, I got to go back to all that stuff. So feel been, it all. And yeah, ooh, yeah, I've been digging into my childhood and and just the short and abridged version is I had a bumpy childhood. Um, my parents split up. Um, I wasn't I was kind of. I don't know, uh, not, I say I'm not raised, you know, my parents were busy and, and kind of consumed with other things. And so I was kind of left to my own devices to figure out life for a lot of it. Um, and I think I did okay overall, but it was not easy. And there were many tough times. I ended up dropping out of high school because I had cut school so much that I could not possibly graduate. Um, and then I, you know, along the way, I, I met people who showed me a better way, showed me um, again, kindness and, showed me that, you know, I could have different labels. I call them label whisperers because I was wearing that label, you know, high school dropout. Mm -hmm. And I had friends who showed me, oh, I'm going to go to community college. Oh, what's that like? Oh, okay. And, you know, it just comes back to, you can only be what you see. Mm -hmm. If you don't see it, you can't be it. And people mm -hmm. showed me the way. So I ended up working in a bunch of jobs in 
you know, whatever it was like, I'll be like, okay, I'll work in this office or that office. And that led me to Wall Street um, after I had taken my GED and then put myself through college. Um, so I then get into TV news and this was, again, not really very easy. It took a long time because I had nobody to decode it for me. And it was, hey, hi, my name is Deborah. Could I come in and see? Like I would call anyone. And sometimes people were nice. And sometimes people were like, no. I remember trying to get a job and saying, I'd, I'd love to work for you. And news directors saying, okay, but you don't have any experience. And I'd say, well, what would you say if I told you I have you know, two years experience working on Wall Street. And that's really, you know, I, I have to talk to people on Wall Street. And, you know, if you're talking to brokers and they're not making money at that moment, then, you know, you've really got to capture their attention. Yeah. So that's, oh, that's a skill. And I remember one news director saying, I would tell you to call me back when you have some experience. Oh, <laughs> brutal. I mean, brutal. I remember being invited to an interview uh, at one station and they asked me to write for the newscast. I wrote for the newscast in an interview. And then when I was done, the news director had left. And I was like, what do I do now? The lights and are going off. <laughs> lights are going off in the place. I, I just had, it was tough, but I only, I tell everyone this, hey, I'm doing great now, but I only got about five yeses in my whole entire life. Like just five yeses. I got hundreds of no's. So you've got to be positive and persistent. And no, it's not about you, but there were some tough times and there were some tears. And by some, I mean a lot. Yeah. I just think it's I think it's so helpful to hear that. And I think it's so easy for people to look at, you know, success like yours and assume that it came easily or that you had, you know, I don't know people handing you things on a platter or you had all the right contacts or and it, it's not always like that it's not always the zero went to the right school and went to the right college and you know I think it's just I think it's really really helpful to tell your story and hear you know your experience because you know I worked in um in newspapers in London and yeah I I I experience a lot of nepotism, you know, there is a lot of that and a lot of people doing sort of unpaid work experience for years and years. And there's this sense that, oh, well, can you afford to work without getting paid? And how long can you afford to do that for? And then there's a sense of, well, the more privileged you are, the further you can get. So, you know, it is quite, a, you know, the, I think journalism can be quite a tough place to to get ahead for sure but I yeah really and you think that like you have to have this perfect background and I, yeah. I also subscribe to this feeling of oh but if only I was this age and had this look and had these parents and I had those connections yeah I could get to be at network well let me tell you I have persistence my parents they don't know anybody uh, I was a high school dropout didn't go to the, I went to a state school. Um, you know, I just, I basically wore people down <laughs> to get here. And, and I did it with positivity and a smile. Um, that, that's fascinating too, because I also, I know that these, it's quite cutthroat in this environment. And, you know, you, you have to step on toes to get ahead. And it seems like you have such a sort of positive, you know, 
outlook on life and you know you seem to come at it from a different angle and I just I do wonder how like how do you manage that because how do you manage to kind of get ahead when you're doing it in a slightly different way to everyone else well I think that um well Yvonne, you're seeing me on a positive day. I mean, there are days <laughs> that I'm like, Mwah. I mean, and I'm not saying again that it was, I've always been positive. Yeah, but you're but human. You're human. So that's I am it. human. This is true. I am human. I think that um, right now, my positivity and my smile and my, um, you know, being engaging to people and, and being interested in people is really working for me. And there have been times when it hasn't. And so it is tough. And I remember working in New York and I, really liked working. I mean, New York's my hometown. I've never wanted to leave. We say that right now. Um, but I had to because I, I was working freelance uh, for a number one, you know, the number one market uh, for a TV station. It was my hometown station. It was like my dream. And they ended up using me less and less and they hired other people and gave them full-time contracts. Oh. And I do trace that to getting into the crap, like getting into the, the, um, the low level thoughts of, oh, well, that person has that. Oh, well, they're not hiring me. They're not, and getting into the gossip. Mm. And I remember people trying to take me down. And you know what? I allowed it. I allowed some of these low level, low energy thoughts, these just low hanging fruit, crappy, like gossipy thoughts to get into my head and let me, and it took me down. I remember one woman found out how much my rent was so that she could tell the person who does the scheduling and say, well, she doesn't have to work as many days as I do because my rent is higher. Like that's some like, I remember one person like saying to me, uh, you, you, um, and like, sna like snapping her finger, like, cause she couldn't remember my name. It's like, girl, you know, my name I'm on TV here. Like, like, hello, like, like, but people like just trying to take you down because of their own insecurities. And I have let that insecurity get into me and I work really hard at not because that's what I've got that I don't have. The connections. I didn't go to a great school. My parents don't know anyone and there's no journalism school named after them. What I've got is me. And so everything that makes you, you, you can either step into it and really just embrace your uniqueness, or you can let the, you can let this thing just go haywire and lead you to, you know, you're just Mehness, <laughs> I call it like yours. Meh, you're not you're not really actively pursuing or or, or really um, actively participating in creating your life. And so I have to just embrace who I am. Listen, I didn't go to that school. I didn't do this, but guess what? I'm a pleasure to be around. Thank you. Like I just have to bring that because that's what I have. And I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I do have skills and I do have um, a way of connecting with people and telling their story. It's not that hard. I don't need to go to Harvard or, or, you know, some very impressive school to tell your story. Absolutely. But I think what's so fantastic about you is that, you know, you're just telling the truth and, and that, you know, what you've just described is, is most people and everyone has something like everyone's, you know, being is, is of value and everyone has something to bring to the world. And it's kind of an alternative narrative, uh, you know, again, especially in journalism. But so I wonder if it, it's been, I don't know, I wonder if it made you feel quite vulnerable to bring this kind of perspective to your work, because what's really amazing about you is that you're balancing this 
really high profile career as an anchor, but also you're doing this wonderful inspirational speaking and coaching. And, you know, you're inviting people to enter into some of the people you coach who are aspiring journalists into this world that's quite cutthroat, but through a slightly different door or through a different, through pursuing a different lens. And, you know, I think that's absolutely brilliant and really, really admirable. But I know that yeah. there, are, there are naysayers who would probably, you know, wonder about that and, and sort of challenge that. What, what would you say to that? Well, it, I haven't always done this. So a lot of my career, I just hustled and called and hustled and called and worked over, you know, worked my butt off. And I don't, I believe me, I work my butt off now, but it's an inspired work. Mm. Um, and so I always outworked everybody, um, probably until I got here to DC. So until like maybe six years ago or so, I didn't tell anyone I was a high school dropout. I never told anyone. And so I'd put on the, um, you know, the armor and go in and I would be like, oh, we got to do this story. We got to do this. We got to do that. I would call people. I would uh, spend a lot of time pursuing stories. I'm just basically at work, everybody. And I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think it was, I wish I could point to a certain thing, but I think I had just run out of gas on that mm-hmm. and taken it as far as I could go. And I just remember being like, this is tough. Mm. And I was unhappy with my career and that I had a boss who was kind of, and she wasn't even there that long, but, but, but she did come in to be a, a really great teacher to me um, in that she just didn't like me. <laughs> Not everyone's going to like you, by the way, those people can be your greatest teachers. The so don't make it the way. <laughs> Thank you for being a jerk, you know? Um, and so I got the book, the four, uh, the four agreements. I started reading it and I was just on my spiritual journey of like reading books and read, like realizing that I can't try to be something else. I just need to be like, I can't win this game by doing, I can win this game by being. And so I need to be me. And that means stop putting on the war paint and the blazer and the trying to be somebody else. And like, I'm going to be like you, no, just be you. And so when I embraced that, I mean, still, I put on the war paint, you know, and I still put on the blazer, but I'm okay with being me. And I opened up. And like you were saying, you know, this whole podcast is about a moment of tenderness. And I, you know, these are what connect, this is what connects us. So when I let people know that I was a high school dropout and I did this TEDx talk, which I've really worked hard on, um, it really changed things. And that was the beginning of my path to letting people know who I really am. I knew that that was what connected me. Mm. That's what connects you. How I do stories, and I did stories when I was working at local, I still do stories where I wanna just give people a voice or amplify their voice. They have a voice, I'm amplifying it. And maybe that is someone who is a sex trafficking survivor. Maybe that's a former gang member who is now turning their life around and has a business. Uh, And what they're doing is they're employing only people who've been previously incarcerated. Uh, Domestic violence survivor, an advocate. Um, I'm doing a story this weekend about a family who, it's an African-American family who didn't see their kids in, uh, in the puzzles that they, that they were doing with their kids. Like they just didn't see young black children. And so 
they made their own puzzles and now they've got this company and, and the pe it connects people. So I get to tell these stories because of who I am, not because I worked really hard and made that call. Mm. It's a different conversation when you're telling the story. Yeah. I mean, I've told stories where I'm like, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you, I don't, I don't didn't go with what you went through, but I went through this and they know who they're getting. Mm. Because there's, I, that, there's that trust. Yeah, there's a trust there. And that brings that comes into these kind of stories and the, the kind of people that you're being able to interview. That's brilliant. I, there's so many things I want to pick up on on what you just said. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's brilliant talking to you about all of this. Um, I think the first thing it I love the way you described how it was as though you became aware of like a grasping clinging energy and a, you know, and that sort of thing of like pushing and pushing a boulder up a hill and oh, you can keep, you yes. can keep doing it and keep doing it. Or you can just kind of roll down the hill and let the momentum take you to where you're supposed to go. And it just feels like it's really incredible that you were already working in journalism when you had that realization. And then you sort of became who you were meant to be within that realm you know, following that realization. And I think, again, you know, talking about stories, I think it can be so difficult for people to fully appreciate that, you know, we're, we can be so conditioned with these stories of what you have to do to get ahead, you have to push. And sometimes what you have to do is actually something quite different to that. Uh, trust and and yeah connecting to that deeper part of you and then that's where you really can come into your own and really achieve success and that's what I think you're saying and I think that's I think that's brilliant I think that's amazing um I, I think thank you so much for seeing me and hearing and like getting like that's the nugget is that you can get far by doing but if you take doing and being and you marry it together you're unstoppable. It's all about who you're being. And so I coach people. So I got a couple of things that I do. You know, I work for CBS News um, and I coach people. And I, one of the things I do when I coach some of my clients and they're younger journalists in the business and, you know, it's a tough business, but you can really be successful when you know who you are. And I say like, wh what are the labels that you want to embody? And so, you know, I have my labels here of things that I want to embody and I keep it on my desk so that I know it. Like when I'm talking to someone, I'm like, mm, no, that's what I'm being right now. I don't want to, I need the reminders. Mm. You, need, you need the reminders because yeah, I need to know do. who I'm being. Yeah. Mm, yeah, we all do. It's a practice. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's just, you know, I think we need support and we need those reminders. And I'm just, I'm just wondering if, you know, have you noticed um, in some of the people that you work with or in the people around you that, you know, the anxiety is something that comes up? Because I would imagine in an industry like, you know, especially TV news, um, I just wonder, is it possible to really be a success without, you know, there being some sort of anxiety in you? And I, I'm always fascinated in really high profile, very fast paced careers and that kind of, you know, tension between can you really fully embody a state of inner, inner calm and do a job like that? 
Well, I don't know that I'm always calm. In fact, I would say I'm probably not. Um, <laughs> I definitely suffer from anxiety and I, it can be off-putting. I think it. I didn't realize that I had it until recently in this pandemic. And, I, and now I, I have, I take meds for it. And I feel like it's actually that go, go, go mm. has gotten me pretty far in life. Mm. Um, so, you know, the things that we would think are maybe detrimental, having anxiety or, you know, having a bad boss that demotes you. Like, I think there are learnings in that. It's all part of the journey. And so the anxiety has really helped me. And now that I know that I have it, I can go, oh, wait, I can identify it sometimes and go, wait, am I just being anxious or is this actually truth? And I can take a moment to have some space take some space from something and go, okay, what is really happening here? Oh, and I'm just feeling anxious because of old feelings and old thoughts, mm-hmm. or is this really an issue? So I can, you know, cause your head will go places sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I think that, yeah, there's definitely a lot of anxiety. Some of my clients who I coach, they have it. They don't even realize they have it. Uh, and so what I do is I coach them and it's always good to have someone that you can talk to about these things, mm-hmm. a good Very friend, mm-hmm. a coach, a mentor, and you can say, okay, is this really true? Or are you just going somewhere with this in your head? Mm. And so I had one client, I remember who texted me, she's like, I'm really worried um, that I just took this job, but I just found out that this news director is leaving and I'm really worried about who I'm going to get. I'm like, okay, well, what is the space tip? You know, and we unpacked it. Mm. And she's like, well, I had a bad experience before with a news director. I'm like, okay, is there anything about this situation that would indicate a similar situation? And she's like, well, no, it's just that I'm worried about it. I'm like, okay, so is worry founded or is worry going to help you? Like, mm-hmm. and we were kind of unpacked it a little yeah, bit. And it. she actually felt better. She felt better. She's like, yeah. oh, you're right. I can choose this. Yeah. We all get to choose. Yeah, That's yeah. the one thing. Mm. I feel like if everyone realized you could, you could choose. Now I'm not saying like, oh, you can, I'm not going to be anxious anymore. No, but you could choose uh, to think differently or have um, someone who can help you, whether it be a therapist or a coach or meds that help you there there's always a choice Mm. in what to do that's fantastic help people so good and I think what's so great is 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 just I think honesty and integrity and I think talking about things like anxiety and actually normalizing it and saying you know it is there you know most really successful people have it like it's there and I think the really powerful thing is is being able to say it's possible to look at it to actually look at it head on and say, I've got anxiety, it's come up. Oh, okay, so what's what's causing the anxiety? What's going on here? Like you said, and there's that element of choice. And if you can develop an expansive perspective and actually start to see what's going on, and if you have anxiety, see that it's there, look at it, sit with it. And I think that's the big thing that's been really powerful for me. And I think you know, so often we distract, you know, we, we try and sort of, we, we pretend that it's not there or we, we judge it. But I think if you can actually see it and sit with it and, you know, talk it through, like you were saying, or, or even just to use it as like, um, you know, this is, this is interesting. This is like an interesting thing. I'm going to look at this. I'm going to, what's it trying to tell me, you know, rather than crush it or push it away or avoid it or, deny or it. drink it away yeah <laughs> or eat it away yeah and and so or eat it away or shop it away and, and so we're just not kind to ourselves I mean and this is coming from someone who's really not kind to herself at times I, I work on it but we're not kind and so you know 
we could think about things in a different way. I feel like is, are you living life or is life living you is a good mm-hmm. question because sometimes we just wake up and then we just roll through our day mm-hmm. and the mean thoughts go to the next thought, to the next thought, to the next thought. Mm-hmm. And we just need to interrupt and go, wait a second, mm-hmm. is this really true? Yeah. And it's, it's really powerful because, you know, actually we can change throughout our whole lives. I mean, I remember, you know, finding out only, you know, a couple of years ago that you can still learn new things right up until, you know, you're well into your 90s. Your brain has that, you know, plasticity. It has that capacity. And I really, I had kind of assumed that your brain just stopped being able to, you know, form new neural pathways, but that's actually not true. And I think it's just really important, like you said, to remember that there are choices, that we can make choices and and we can, if we can see a habit, if we can see it and have the awareness of it, then we can begin to change it and, um, you know, unpick it and unpack it. But it's the seeing, isn't it, that has to come first. So this uh, reminds me of this story that literally just happened in our house a week ago and that you know, I can't see anything, you know, like, like, I'm like, your eyes are getting worse. And plus, we're in, after the pandemic, I've been looking at this screen forever. Yeah. And so I'm always like, Oh, man, I can't see like, what does it say? And I feel like, why are they writing things so small? And I had this belief that after 40, you can't see anything, because I went to the doctor. And I was like, Yeah, my eyes aren't so great. And she's like, Oh, well, how old are you? Oh, okay, well, guess what? that's going to happen. Like, as we get older, it's harder to see things and it's just going to get worse. And, and so this doctor, this ophthalmologist said, said this to me. Okay. So I tell my husband this, I'm like, I'm not going to bother going to the doctor. He's like, really? You're not going to go to the doctor. They're not going to go to the eye doctor when you every day you're asking me to read things for you go to the doctor. And I said, all right. Like, I just needed him to say that to me. I made the appointment. I went and it's the same doctor who I go to a different one. And he was like, listening to me going, of course you need to come in. If you can't see, you come in. It's like, we have new contacts. We've had these astigmatism contacts for a while now. And like, it's been, you know, they're new in the last year and you should try them. Boom, boom, put them in. I can see. And I literally was listening to a doctor who told me that, yeah, your eyes are going to get worse as you get older. And then I adopted this as truth. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, why bother? Yeah. And it's so silly. Cause I can see everything now. I'm like, wow, this is great. I can read everything's little thing. You know, I'm reading all these like small things now. You've been really close. <laughs> yeah, I can see it all. I know. <laughs> it's amazing how I know how kind of gullible we are. Like I don't think right. we, really, like, we realize it. And then you're like, ah, oh, why do I believe that thing? Like, why did I believe it? But it's only when you're aware that you're doing it that you can actually stop. Sometimes you need a nudge, don't you, from those close to you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always good to have someone in your life who can call you out on your BS. That's important. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, and tell me, has Gammy Bernstein, has she been a big influence on you? Because I've seen you mentioning her before. Absolutely. I was lucky enough to meet her and another one of my spiritual gurus, Patricia Moreno, at a retreat a while ago. And I have this picture with us and I'm like, oh, like I love this picture. But I I think you have to continually be in the practice. And so I love getting her emails. I've read many of her books mm. over, a, yeah, the uh, the Judgment Detox was one that I read in the pandemic that really helped me because I didn't realize I was judging myself and others. Mm. And sometimes when you're in a relationship, uh, you know, you judge your partner. 
Oh like, yeah. yeah. Like, why didn't you get that done? Or like, why didn't you take out the garbage? Like you never clean up after you, like whatever. And you judge and, and it leads you to be not a person that you want to be like, that's not fun. And so, you know, I try to have a practice and these people like Gabby Bernstein, Patricia Moreno, they really helped me. Patricia has a, a retreat that she does in a week of weekend workout on Zoom. And I try to do these things and be in harmony with these things because it makes me happy. And so I have to go the extra mile to go, okay, I don't feel like doing the workout, but let me, you know, get on Zoom and do it. And of course, at the end of the hour, I'm happy. But if I'm not in community with people who feel that way about life, then I'm just out here as an island. So I think you do need to be in practice with this yeah. stuff. In fact, you know, because of Gabby, I have a reminder that comes up in my phone every morning that says, I am wait, I am not the judge of what I see. Let me just see what it says. <laughs> but something about judgment. Because <laughs> I forgot what yeah, it was. Color. Oh, today I will judge nothing that occurs. And it comes up every morning at 7.30 so mm. that I can see it on my phone and be reminded. Mm. We're not here to judge. That's beautiful. These, these you know, reminders and these practices, I used to really resist them. And for years, and I I don't know why, I think I just used to think either, you know, you have it or you don't. And and now I have a morning routine. And I was, you know, saying to Aisha recently, you know, the show's producer, if if I don't do that, I, I can't like, I sort of come apart at the seams and it's not, it's not for very long. It's just a, you know, 20 minute thing and, you know, a bit of yoga and, and some, a little bit of energy work. And, but it, it just, it really is profound in the way that it keeps me grounded. Uh, and there's just, you know, life has just been crazy, hasn't it? For the past 18 months, you know, and, and through the pandemic and homeschooling and everything, it's, it's really, it's, it's held me together so yeah practices yeah they're 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 so important i think you have to have that so that you can i think it tells it puts an energy out into the world and tells you and like your soul that you're worth it Mm. i am worth this time i'm worth this work that's true i'm worth this 10 minutes of sitting here meditating Mm -hmm. and we don't even realize the energy that puts out into us and throughout us like i just think it tells the world that you think you're worth it it's so true. And I, and when you actually say 20 minutes, it's crazy what a tiny little, you know, little nugget of time it is, but it can be so difficult, you know, oh, but I don't have time because when I wake up, I have to get straight into work or I've got to go into my emails. And actually, how many times during the day do you have 20 minutes where you literally just scrolling through your phone or doing nothing? And then you get that report at the end. Like, oh my God. Your screen time has been blah, blah, blah. It's You've been on good. this thing for seven hours a day. Whoa. I know. It's <laughs> shocking. I know. It really is shocking. Oh. <laughs> I would love to hear about your book. So, shit, I wish I knew in my 20s. Which- yes. And because I'm, I work for CBS, I always say, beep, I wish I knew in my 20s because I, you know, don't want to get in trouble for cursing. But, but yeah. Um, and so, This is a no holds barred guide to surviving your 20s and fast tracking your success in work, life and love. It's basically I've been through some stuff and I know that if I knew then what I know now, I could 
I mean, who would I be? Like, I'm very happy with who I am, but damn, I could be so successful. So I talk to my clients all the time and they're all in their twenties and they want to know, they don't just want to know about how did you get to where you are in your career, Deborah? They want to even know about my, my husband, like, because they're going through all those things. Mm. Like this relationship, there's so many learnings in that too. Aren't there always learnings? And Mm. I dated a bunch of jerks before meeting him. And I only, when I believed that this kind of person was available and, 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 and like even existed in the universe, did he appear? So you see what you believe. Mm. And so I thought there were bad boys and then boring guys. Yeah. And That's so right. I dated those types for years, many years, lots of heartaches, a lot of heartbreak. And then when I believed that there could be a combination of exciting people who were good people, oh, he appeared. And so that's one learning and there's so many learnings, but it's kind of like an in-your-face handbook for adulting to try and make you laugh. But if I can do what I've done in my life, I'm married, I have a business I love, I work for CBS News, how the heck did I do that? And I'm a high school dropout with no connections and no advantages, then okay, or little advantages, I'm not saying no advantages, um, you know, then anyone can do anything they set their mind to. And I just want to hold your hand and be that big sister who says, okay, well, ask for that and talk you through why you should and why you're worth it. Because everyone has worth and everyone is unique and that's your superpower. So ask for what you want. Absolutely. I I think it sounds like a a great read, especially for anyone really, you know, really sort of trying to get into news and trying to get into journalism. Um, I think it's it's brilliant and it sounds like you're also saying um, something really helpful which something along these lines was said to me when I was um, training to be a journalist I remember actually asking my tutor not about journalism but I remember asking him like how did you know that your wife was the one you know because that was like in my 20s you know that's what I wanted to know And, and he said something really helpful he said you don't but you just, you just kind of, you do it anyway. And I think that thing of you are going to make mistakes and things aren't always going to work out perfectly, but you have to just trust, like you got to have like some sort of, sometimes there's a deep knowing and you've got to really go with that. But yeah, also it's okay that things might go wrong, you know, and that things aren't always going to work out perfectly, you know. It's the lesson that you need to learn at that time in life. You know, the, the universe will always provide that lesson, you know, uh, and, and I always say, trust your gut, your gut knows, but my, sometimes I couldn't really decipher my gut. I was trusting some other part of me and maybe it was like my head or my heart or whatever. And I'd be in a relationship and like, and I, and I know there was like, kind of like this, ugh, this sick feeling of, I don't know about this, but I would be in it anyway. And then you're in it for too long. And then you, there's like ego, like, I don't want people mm. to look at me and say, oh my gosh, like she's been in this too long. And it's not working out. And like, so let me stay in it. You know, I didn't, I didn't trust my gut a lot of times and I needed to learn that lesson. And apparently I needed to learn it over and over and over again. It's hard. I didn't get it the first time, second time, eighth time. No, it's, it's very difficult. And I think it's very difficult to accept that there are going to be these obstacles and you know that the obstacle is the way or whatever you know it's like this this 
ideology has been there for so long, but yet for humans, it seems very difficult for us to accept that. You know, we just want to push the obstacles out of the way or, you know, make sure that they're not there in the first place. But yeah, that's not how it's supposed to be. And then one thing that I, I found this blog post, I can't even take credit for it, but then the blog post was gone and I've Googled the person who wrote it and I can't find her either. So thank God I copied this down and I, this is a blog post that I give to so many people. It's about the uncomfortable not knowing. And sometimes we wanna force an answer. You know, I used to do this in dating. I would go out on a date and I'm like, okay, all right, I know about, two percent about who you are but you know what? i'm gonna make a, a snap judgment here and go yeah i like the job that you have or I, I like what you look like i like that we connect on this level we have this in common okay let's see are you gonna be my next boyfriend or not like i don't even know you and so i would just be like okay let me make that decision this is where we're gonna go and not to tell them obviously but like okay yeah yeah okay you're good like i'm gonna continue on this path mm-hmm. and i would make this like i don't know this Judgment of like, yeah, okay, you're you're good for me. Like this could work. And meanwhile, there is this unfolding in a relationship mm-hmm. where I'm learning more about you. I can't make that decision. I need to see other people, perhaps. Like I, I just you can't make that decision. So there's this uncomfortable not knowing. And this mm-hmm. blog post is about the art of waiting. And sometimes mm-hmm. um, it's very uncomfortable to not know and not have things figured out, but that's how the best things in your life unfold. And what happens is when we force an answer, we're forcing mediocrity in our lives. And mm-hmm. so that uncomfortable not knowing and longing for the answer is kind of like jumping into a pool mm-hmm. and then you get out and there's no towel and you're like a little cold and you're like uncomfortable. It's that feeling like, and that's what it's kind of like. And the only time I ever sat in that not knowing that uncomfortable, I'm not sure about this is when I met my husband and we let it unfold. And because we let it unfold and we got to know each other, it was ended up, he ended up being my guy. Oh, that's so interesting. Like you, you let go of, of what had been like a habitual way of approaching relationships and then, you know, everything changed. It all kind of came together. That, oh, that's so interesting. I've been, I've been reading a lot about beliefs at the moment. I'm really fascinated with belief systems and how they sort of underpin everything and, and how they play out in our lives. And I just, I really think, you know, they're at the core of everything. And I think they're also to blame for that very deep sense of criticism and judgment that we all carry around with us. And I think it really prevents a lot of people from, you know, flourishing and coming out of their shell and and shining. And I know that you work with, you know, a lot of young women. Would you say that that you you felt that way too, that beliefs are, are really kind of there sort of driving these difficult feelings and behaviors? I think we just, yeah, absolutely. Belief is where it all starts, right? And we pick up little ideas about ourselves from other people, from the world, from from trying to shelter ourselves from hurt. Mm. So maybe someone laughed at something we said, and then we never speak up again. Mm. Mm. Or some kid said something about you when you were in second grade. And so you were like, well, I'm never going to like someone again. Or I'm always going to think of myself as too smart, too dumb, too heavy, too skinny, too whatever. I remember um, a kid saying something about my eyes, like big eyes, you know. And so I have 
carried that, that there's something wrong with them. No, no. They're just the way that they are. Yeah, and that's you, a you get these things. Feature. I mean, it, isn't it so ironic, isn't it, that you even something like that, which is such a positive, we can believe something else about it until we can actually see that we're doing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've definitely spent a lot of my younger years in shame about just being because I had these beliefs. Someone said something, and you picked up that information. But I think that when I talk about choice and you know, you're getting this from someone who's done a lot of work. I've been through therapy. Um, I've, I've gone to the Landmark Forum and done a lot of their type of self-development classes. Um, I've read a majillion books here. I'm in, I'm in the inquiry about life and about who I am, mm. you know, but I do realize there is choice. Like I have to have a moment to go, what, is that really true? You know, you, there's so many things, mean things that we can say about ourselves. You know, I have been, and, and the one I'm working on is like literally the two pounds I have around my middle that I'm like, oh, well, that, that disqualifies me from happiness. We can oh, do that. We yeah. can make things real in our minds when they're not real in real life. So we do have these beliefs about ourselves. Like who said that I have to have a washboard stomach? Who said that? Who? Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. So maybe I could choose differently. Maybe yeah. happiness is available to me, even when I don't look good or don't, you know, or whatever, whatever my issue is, issue du jour. Mm, I know. I know we can sort of lay out all these conditions. When X, Y, and Z happen, then, then I'll be happy. Then I can achieve success. You know, then it will happen for me. And then it's just something else, isn't it? That comes along and we replace it with the next thing. And yeah. And I think, again, I think that's a really common just way of showing up in the world. And, you know, I've spoken before on here about journalists and, and friends that I know who have, you know, been so successful, you know, have written books and, uh, you know, really achieving success, um, and what's deemed to be successful. And then as soon as you know, the book comes out, then they've got this terrible feeling of, well, but then now I have to write another book. Like, it's like an, it's like an insatiable feeling, I suppose, of it's that thing of not enough, you know, I've got to keep producing more and more in order to be, I don't know, I suppose, worthy in order to, to have that worthiness and, and show up. You are worthy because you are. That's the thing is that we have to get is we are worthy because we are. Am I here? Am I breathing? Okay, I'm worthy. Not because of this, that, and the other thing. Now it's taken a long time for me to get there. And you know, you get in this like, ooh, what are other people gonna say? What are other people gonna think? I had this, um, when I met Aisha, uh, we, we worked together at a station here in DC and I left that station after being there for six years. And I left because my new boss wanted to demote me and that wasn't an acceptable situation for me. So I left, it no longer fit me. And there could be a lot of shame in that, you know, and there was for a little bit. And I realized, who cares? I thought, who's the, I mean, are people talking about me? Are people going to say, oh, she's not that good or she's all washed up or whatever? No, nobody really talked about me. If they did, I don't know about it anyway. Nobody really cared because they're all looking at them themselves. <laughs> and that's the thing is we think other people, oh, what are they going to think? What are they going to say? They don't really care. 
They got their own damn problems and they're worried about what people are thinking about them. So if you're talking about me, really, you should just, that's great. I don't know about it anyway, because I'm not there in the conversation. And most people just really don't give a hoot about you. So it's all good. And I was in my head about it. And then I did a lot of work again uh, about it and realized I don't care. That's one person's opinion. You don't Mm -hmm. think I'm good. Okay. And of course, it feels real good to work at CBS News now you know, and have this success mm-hmm. um, and, and this audience. And really my success, like success, that's not really my thing. That's other people's thing. People look at me and go, wow, you're killing it. I get that all the time. Okay. I'm telling good stories and I work with a good team of people who like me and believe in me. Mm-hmm. And then when I tell a story that I really like, I'm all about this story and I'm like picking each word and like, oh, I don't like how I said that. Let me say that over. You know, we're like crafting this story. Um, that That's my success that the person I did the story about goes, thank you. Thank you so much for telling my story. Mm-hmm. And maybe they heard from other people. I always say, let me know what people say. Like if you've heard from people, I'd love to know what they think of the story. So that's the success, but other people think, Oh, you're killing it. Okay. But I was killing it when you didn't see me on TV for the year I had my business. Because let me tell you, you didn't know because you didn't call. And I was killing it. I had clients who I was coaching who got, uh, had breakthroughs about their worth, but that doesn't, that's not Instagrammable, right? Or that's not, you know, you're not seeing that on TV. Um, I was doing speeches where people would write to me and say, "Uh, you know, you really made me think differently. That's killing it. But you didn't know about that, did you? And so people think it's got to look a certain way. And really, we get to decide what's what killing it is or what success is. And we get to decide. And most people just, I don't, I can't be worried about what people think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just love everything you've said there. And I, I just really, I think it's so brilliant that it sounds like your sense of of success or your definition of success for yourself is this sense of purpose that you have in shining a light on people's stories and giving them a platform to really share their experiences with the world and it's it's like what we're trying to do with this podcast it's you know when you tell these stories there's this sense of of common humanity you know when we hear other people's experiences of of being alive and of things that we all universally experience even if it's not the experience it's the feeling that comes with it or you know the the whatever it was that was driving it and that's such a yeah I think that's such a wonderful admirable and sort of deep purpose to have in in journalism I'm just wondering about those stories I mean is there is there anything I mean you must have heard so many inspiring stories you know people's deep sorrows and uh, you know huge you know compelling joys and is there anything that you know you would like to you would like people to know about you know people who don't get to ask these kind of questions and and hear these kind of stories you know is there any kind of lesson that you've gleaned from hearing all these people talk to you in such an intimate way I just learn from people every day Hmm. and people think it's TV journalism, uh, you know, in in America right now, um, it's, there's a lot of people who are haters, right? Uh, Fake news you hear. Mm -hmm. And I hardly even want to say those two words because it is just disgusting to me 
because I work hard to tell stories of people who are your neighbors, people who you stand in line with at the supermarket, people who you look past, Mm. right? And we're all connected. It doesn't matter. And these stories are meant to show you what other people's lives and realities are like. And so I've learned so much from people. One person who just stays with me and, and, and maybe I'm a little too connected to my stories. I had my one, a good friend who was a former news director told me that he's like, you're a little too connected to your stories, but you know what? No, I'm all about it. This uh, woman who I interviewed. <laughs> I, I know, but I, I get to see the worst and the best. And so I'm always very grateful for what I have. Yeah. Right? And you really care. And, and, so, you know, I think you, the interviewee really picks up on that as well, don't they? They really I hope pick so. up. I, yeah. I think so. I think so. And one woman who I interviewed, her name is Jamie Watts. And Jamie was born with cerebral palsy. And she never, she, she shared with me that no or failure was never an option. That like, well, she always thought she could do everything. And so she just like, it it just, it wasn't an option mm. the way she was, was raised. Um, you know, no is not an option. And so she decided she was going to, it all started very slowly as many things do, right? Like just an idea. She wanted to go to uh, Italy, I believe it was with her family. And she knew, okay, we're going to be walking a lot. I got to keep up. And she walks with a cane. And so she decided she was going to get in shape, uh, in shape, you know, like I'm going to get on the treadmill. I'm going to walk. And so she started doing that. And then she was like, if I do this, I can do a 5k. So she signs up for a 5k and it was a Marine 5k and uh, the Marines are in really good shape, you know, but we're here in like, you know, Northern Virginia, DC. So like, you know, we've got a lot of these, like, you know, very, like lots of people who are very determined and, and uh, militaries here and whatnot. So, you know, she does this thing. Well, you know, it is like a minute or two before she goes, Oh damn, I'm in trouble. Right. So, uh, you know, she's like, behind and everyone takes off and she's walking through it and she hears someone on the the you know radio going run her down well they were talking about her you know she wasn't down but she was going slow and then it was dark too it was like a, a night run Ugh. and uh this woman like found her like she had her flashlight she's like do you need like are you doing okay and she's like yeah i'm just going but they just didn't know uh you know because she was so she was slow and mm-hmm. so this woman stayed with her and you know lo and behold of course she finished the 5k and she was hooked. So she started to do 34 races before she was 34. That led to a half marathon, which led to a full marathon. And, and I interviewed her and, and saw her, you know, just getting ready and training for these marathons. And you know what, any day that I am tired and I don't feel like walking, I go, "Mm, what would Jamie do? Amazing. Exactly. I mean, those kind of stories are so inspiring and they're just so helpful I think, yeah, like you said, in those moments where you're like, ah, oh, it's so hard. And then you realize that oh, actually it's not so hard. And I, I don't feel like picking up that weight or I don't want to walk or I don't want to do this. Okay. Well, there's Jamie doing it. Exactly. I better really do it. I got no excuse. She's, she's out there doing her thing and she's so inspiring and she's so positive. I love her. Oh, fantastic. Uh, I have enjoyed speaking to you so much, Deborah. This has been such a fantastic conversation. I'm sure that it's really going to help so many people and be inspiring to so many people. But just to finish off, I wanted to ask you a question I always ask at the end. So with the tenderness revolution, there's this quality of 
tenderness. And for me, it's made up of three things. It's made up of three sort of ways of being. Um, because I think these three sort of states allow us to really fully see the truth about the way things are. And they are courage, compassion, and curiosity. And I wanted to ask you, if you had to choose one of these qualities that really means the most in your life that has really sort of had more of a dominant sort of presence for you in terms of your way of being and, and seeing the world, which one would you choose and why? Oh man, you're gonna make me choose? Be fun. I want them all. They're great, aren't they? It's very, oh my gosh, well, okay. So I want to choose courage, but compassion is so, I'm going to choose courage because I believe that we have to ask for things in our lives and that's how we create our lives. The size of your life is directly correlated in my opinion to the size of your ask. And so if I didn't ask you know, to, 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 as you know, in journalism, you kind of tie it up with a bow at the end, right? Uh, if I didn't ask Z to meet with me or to give me advice, I wouldn't be here right now. And I certainly wouldn't have met you and I wouldn't be on this podcast. So I think I have to go with courage, have the courage to be yourself and to ask for what you want in life, whether that's a date, whether that's, you know, an extra shot of espresso, you know, but, but really little asks give you the courage and build you up to have bigger asks. You really do create your life by what you ask for and the knowledge that you, you deserve it. So I think courage. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for answering that question so beautifully. I really appreciate your time, Deborah. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. I had the best time. When can I be on it again, Eva? <laughs> I'm asking. Very soon. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Tenderness Revolution. I hope you come back for more because my aim with this podcast is to help us become more aware of these moments of kindness and compassion and how they shape our lives and enable us to feel more connected to the world around us. for listening to this episode of the tenderness revolution i hope you come back for more because my aim with this podcast is to help us become more aware of these moments of kindness and compassion and how they shape our lives and enable us to feel more connected to the world around us